Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Integrative Path podcast. My name is Brandon Jacobs, and I'm here co-hosting this episode with Heather Gaisley. Today, I feel like we've got a very special episode uh, in the yin trainings and lots of the yoga trainings and teachings that Heather and I lead and facilitate. We like to tell some of the stories that have been passed down to us. And now we understand that they are far, far more than stories passed down from from Hinduism. Um, we call them stories more here in the Western world, but we deeply know and respect that these are very, very serious teachings that even our partners, Nija and Mahesh, and their families grew up with. So this is borrowed material that we have learned and that's been passed down to us from our teachers. So this is just one iteration of one, one story that we tell. Um, and so I'm going to let Heather tell, tell this tale. Uh, we've told it many times before. Um, each one that we do tell is very, very personal. So you'll hear the the passion and the vindication within the story, um, and then we'll tie it all back together. Of why are we why are we telling this uh, on this podcast? So Heather, you can take it away. So I just want to say a warm hello to our returning listeners, and a very warm hello to our new listeners. As Brandon said, my name is Heather Gaisley, and I'd personally like to welcome you to the Integrative Path podcast Is the, if this is your first time listening. And if it's not your first time, and it's your second, third, or fourth time, welcome to you as well. So today I'm sharing a very, very personal story. Um, personal to me in the sense that I feel that in my own health journey, it has come up again and again and pieces of this story every time I've heard it told or I've told it myself become different and more resonant. So I'm hoping that you will find pieces of this story impactful for you. Before I begin, I want to invite you to find a comfortable place to rest. If you're sitting or laying down, I want to encourage you to let your bones rest. Feel yourself sink into the support that is beneath you or behind you. And if you happen to be listening while you're driving or doing something that requires more of your attention, please continue with your awake awareness. But wherever you are in this time and in this place and in this space, take a big breath in. and a relaxing breath out. Another breath in. And out. And one more for good measure, deeper and fuller. And out. And now that you're awake and aware and here with me, let me tantalize your ears with this very special story. The version that I'm about to share is adapted and somewhat embellished, as all good storytellers ought to embellish a little here and a little there. 
This is the story of Ashtabhakra. Long ago, but not so long ago, because, well, you know, time, it isn't really linear, but that is neither here nor there. So long ago, long, long ago, in a faraway place, further than you or I could ever envision, there was a much-desired babe growing comfortably inside his mother's womb. This unborn babe came as a gift to his parents, who had tried for so many moons to conceive. The parents had sought the help of a medicine keeper, and after giving themselves over to spirit, or God, or creator, or whatever word that you choose to describe whatever is greater than us but unites us all together, they were able to conceive this child. And this child's name, this namesake, will become Ashtavakra. Now, before we get to Ashtavakra, arriving arriving Earthside, while inside his mother's womb, Ashtavakra recited the Vedic mantras. Now, these Vedic mantras, these are ancient Hindu texts, very long and lengthy. They have a lot of words and a lot of names. And his father, a learned scholar and sage himself, read and read and read and read and read to Ashtavakra in the hopes that he would absorb the knowledge necessary to master the capital S self upon his arrival Earthside. Now one day, I think it was a bright day, a sunny day, a calm day, maybe a little bit of a breeze, maybe not too much of a breeze, maybe it was just the right amount of breeze. Ashtavakra's father was reading yet again, and while inside his mother's womb, Ashtavakra heard his father mispronounce a name, and oh, did he wince in pain. Then again, his father misspoke. And he writhed, he winced, and he made a little murmur. His father's ears pricked up. Hmm. Now, matters of correctness, you must know, my listener, you must know, were very important to Ashtavakra, even as a little babe inside his mother's womb. Yet again, his father kept reading, and he mispronounced some more names. And out from inside his mother's womb... He called out, he called out to his father, and he corrected him. (gasps) His mother gasped. His father drew in his breath, and he expounded rage towards the unborn babe in the form of a curse. Ha! And so, as he passed through the veil of his mother's womb and entered into this world, he earned his namesake. Ashta Vakra. Now, for those of you, my lovely listeners, that are not fluent in Sanskrit, which I can acknowledge, neither am I. And again, this is now a storyteller's note. We are not inside the story, but outside of the story. I will tell you that I looked it up, as all good storytellers should look up a few things here and there. Ashta means eight, and Vakra means bent broken or crooked. As he grew in this world as a small child, he was broken and bent in eight places. His physical deformities grew with him. 
both hands, both feet, both knees. His chest and his neck were bent at the most uncomfortable angles. Such an unsightly creature he was to gaze upon. When he walked down the street, most uncomfortably averted their eyes. Bent and broken, in eight places, he trapes through life with great difficulty. You could hear him walking slow and methodically, dragging his seemingly imperfect form. And as one might imagine, this was a very difficult existence. Now as he grew from a small child to a boy and from a boy to an adolescent and from an adolescent into a young man, he worked through his life and perhaps he did not know what his purpose would be. But one day, I think it was a sunny day, Maybe it was a little bit breezy. Maybe it wasn't breezy. Maybe there was just a little bit of rain on the horizon. Ashtavakra heard that far away, obviously far away, over some hills, through some riverbeds, probably up a giant hill or at least to the base of a mountain or two, but in a land far away, there was said to be some enlightened persons, some enlightened people, great yogis, great sages, knowers and seers, they were gathering in a place. And Ashtavakra, who had struggled with the way that he looked, struggled with his form, he knew that he needed to travel there. He needed to meet these great knowers and sages, these enlightened persons, and he needed to learn from them. And so he began his journey one foot in front of the other. He dragged his form through the walk. Slowly and slowly he traveled through all the lands. He met a few people along the way and they weren't particularly kind. And he met a few people along the way and they weren't particularly kind until he arrived at King Janaka's castle where in fact as he entered through the gates and through into the great hall he did set his eyes upon the great knowers the seers the sages the yogis all those that were said to know the way they were there, gathered. As he walked into the great hall, all eyes turned toward him, and you could hear a pin drop. The collective feeling in the room was one of disdain and disgust for this uninvited guest that was now standing before them. Slowly, just like the ripples from a pond when a pebble is dropped, the sound gave way, or the silence gave way to sound. And the sound grew and grew and grew. And what was that sound? Oh, it was laughter. 
the knowers and the seers, the great yogis and the sages, the king himself, King Janaka, began to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And Ashtavakra, he too began to laugh. Right from the deepest pit of his belly, he laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed until King Janaka became offended. And he called down from his place on his throne. He called down from the place above and said to him, You there, bent, broken, why are you laughing? And Ashtavakra, in a voice as clear as crystal, said, My dear king, I am not laughing. You see, I am crying. And King Janaka was offended. I mean, obviously he's a king. He's got a little bit of an ego. Who doesn't? They've got riches and gold and all that sort of stuff. But he was offended. Why are you crying? And Ashtavakra spoke and said, I have traveled all of this way. I have journeyed against all odds. I have worked to be here in this room amongst enlightened people, the great yogis and great sages, the knowers, the seers, those who are said to have the way. I came here to find supreme truth. But what I have found here is not any knowers or seers or great yogis or sages. What I have found are a bunch of shoemakers. I am standing in a room full of cobblers. And as you can imagine, King Janaka, he was not very impressed. Offended, in fact. And he said, what do you mean? We are not cobblers. We are not shoemakers. Explain yourself. Tell me what you mean, Ashtabakra. And again, with a voice so clear, he said, I see you as shoemakers and cobblers because a shoemaker is only concerned about the quality of leather, whether the leather is worn or has any striations in it, whether it is damaged on the outside. And that's what makes good leather. You are all cobblers because you do not know anything of the inside the matters of the heart and soul, and those are what matter the most. And King Janaka, as if he had been hit on the head by a falling piece of rock or coconut or whatever you want to picture, he suddenly had awareness dawned onto him, and he realized that Ashtavakra this man, bent and broken in eight places, with such a difficult journey, knew more about the soul, more about the matters of the heart, than all of the great knowers and seers in the entire room and in all the lands. And in that moment, King Janaka stepped down off of his throne, knelt and bowed down to Ashtabakra and asked him, 
in his most humble way, will you teach me? Well, Heather, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm always in awe of how you how you make it through these without crying. Because, I mean, for those of you who've taken our yin trainings or been to our classes, uh, I don't think I've made it through one one of these uh, stories with, without crying. So um, I thank you for for sharing your heart and for sharing this very deeply personal story. Um, I'm always proud and honored to get to teach and share these moments with you. So, um, and see, and here I am crying. So, <laughs> and that's just me. Um, I'm wondering if you can, now that this is all kind of sinking in for everybody, uh, I'm wondering if maybe we can bring it back to why we've chosen to share this particular, this particular uh, story Mm-hmm. first because there's many that we we may share but we we carefully chose chose this one mm-hmm. I always appreciate how sensitive you are it's such a superpower so I think where I'll start if if you're not interested in our interpretation of this story or this myth um then that's okay. You can shut off the podcast right now, take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and move on with your day from wherever you are and whatever you're doing. But if you're interested in our interpretation, then stick around for a few more minutes. So for me, this story has always been very potent because I think a lot of us can relate to that experience of when the the vision of when we are inside our mother's womb. Some of us may have access to those memories. Some of us don't, depending on what kind of energetic work we've done. But when we're inside our mother's womb, in that ultimate yin yin area, yin state, we're pure potential. We have nothing before us but our, our life to live. And yet what is so interesting about this story is that when we are in that pure potential state, we can have little marks upon our soul placed onto us. So when Ashtabhakra's father curses him before he even comes through the veil to the earth side, he, he's cursed and he carries forward what some people would term um, something like intergenerational trauma or trans, transgenerational mm-hmm. trauma or ancestral trauma. And so he carries that forward. And so many of you listening will have that little ping of that's me and that might be one nugget of this story that you relate to something that has been carried forward through your family line and of course it might not be as as bold as a curse but we all have certain things whether it's the the spirit of addiction that runs through families or the spirit of um the spirit of death and a death narrative or grief that that rides the waves through your whole life or it's the spirit of not enoughness or that storyline comes through in the form of in this story a curse and so we arrive into the world as these beautiful pure potential beings with little marks upon our soul and sometimes we lose pieces of our soul along the way so I think really like this is where the conversation of our health journey from an integrative health perspective starts is 
is when we were those those beings of pure potential and what was it like when we were in utero and then what was it like what were we born into in that environment we were born into the social the emotional the psychological the spiritual the financial the socioeconomic all those things all those determinants of health what were we born into and what did we carry forward and in this particular story i think a lot of people can relate to feeling as though the physical form that they they have in this life needs or is something that needs to be fixed or is something that isn't desirable and although this is a very clear um, depiction of a, a physical ailment or a physical deformity air quotes I think that shows up in a, in a lot of different ways that shows up for us in looking in the mirror and not seeing the picture that we want to see or having perhaps body dysmorphia or body image issues or or any of those things so it's a very relatable story I have yet to find anyone that I've come into contact with myself included and you included Brandon that doesn't struggle with the physical form that we've been blessed with throughout the trajectory of our life so Ashtavakra in this bent and broken and imperfect form moves through his life, moves through his health journey. And again, there's that piece of, of seeking, seeking the true authentic self, seeking the way, seeking, seeking um, knowledge, seeking wisdom, something that I believe that we're all seeking through our health journey, all seeking through our journey through this life. And so first so many of us look outside of ourselves. So even Ashtavakra, he, he looked outside of himself to the knowers and the seers and the sages and the yogis that were all gathered in one place. And he thought, if I can just get there, how many of us have thought, if I can just get to that, if I can just get there, then I will be blank, happier, healthier, uh-huh. safer, more respected, more loved, more valued, anything that that is, more whole. And so he goes through the journey trying to find that piece of his piece of his authenticity or piece of his um, knowing when all the while it was right there inside of him. And Brandon, you and I have talked to individuals, we talked amongst ourselves in our very deep conversations that we have about that even if we relate it back to the very first podcast we did on integrative health, there's, there's no greater authority figure than you on your, your journey through life. And so although we need, at times, different support people, that is what they are. They are support people. They are people that help illuminate some part of our journey. They help us take down the veil of illusion or the maya. They help us see ourselves in a different way from a different perspective. But what they are illuminating is actually our own pure potential. They're illuminating our wholeness. And so Ashtavakra comes to this place of, of all of this knowledge, all of this wisdom in one place, only to find the reflection of himself, the reflection that he had it in him all along. And if you're still listening to me, so do you. You have it in you. So I love this story. Every time I teach this story, 
every time the spirit of story takes over my voice, it comes out just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that whoever's ears are listening to me and whoever I have captured or captivated you for this amount of time, that some part of this is resonant for you. So I will say that I love, I love the idea at the end that the king, the supreme being, someone who is the authority figure or higher than, bows down to the bent and broken self. I think there, I think there's a beautiful poetry about that. I think we're always, we're always chasing this higher self and higher figure. Uh, but there's so much to learn when we feel in the deepest places of our brokenness. And I've often shied away from using the term bent or broken or imperfect or any or perfect, any of those words that are that are highly triggering. In the context of the story, I think it's appropriate to, to use those terminologies. Um, but I do I do love that the the higher self has to bow down to the shadow aspects of self because there are there are things that we learn inside the places where we feel that that it is the darkest hour or the darkest times of our life and it's okay to be in the dark night of your soul or the dark time of your soul it's okay to be in the place that is bent and broken and not necessarily always be searching for the light or searching for the way out. Sometimes the darkness is just as valuable. Mm-hmm. And then there's always the juxtaposition. There's always the yin and yang counterparts. So at the same time, it's always important to, or rather it is important to, to look for the light. So I think the more that I go into it, the more I could, I could ramble on about different different symbolism, different interpretations. I would love to hear from any of you who heard the story and stopped there and had your own experience of what this story brought up for you. I'd love to hear from you. You can message me on Instagram at heather.gaisley. I've linked my Instagram in the show notes so you can find me there. You can also email me personally at hgaisley at pihealth.ca and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. For now, I'll leave the interpretation there. And Brandon, did you want to say anything else about our story? I did want to tie it in with one one other thing that it has reminded me of. And it's actually one of the ways that we, we start our trainings. It's Heather and I went to this spoken word um, show at the Nook, I don't know, six years ago now, mm-hmm. five years ago. And of all of the shows we've been to, we heard this this one story called Can You Teach Me? And it's this this woman's telling this beautiful story about how she goes on this date with this man and she's a really big dancer and he he doesn't really dance and she's like, Just trust me, like let's just go out on the on the dance floor and like, you know, just like you know, let me let me show you what it can be like. And so all of a sudden they're dancing and they're moving and they're in sync and in flow. And then the song ends and the man sits down with her and is like, oh my God, like how, I can't dance. Like how, how did this happen? And she like, you know, how did you teach me to dance? And she, she essentially said like, 
you know, like you all, you already knew, or mm-hmm. I just, I just showed you where, I just showed you where to look. She's mm-hmm. like, I didn't teach you anything, which is this idea of, of pure potential and the idea that we can all be perfectly imperfect. And we are also our own, our own best advocate. We know when something is going on with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And so in light of this being the Integrative Path podcast and, and bringing it back to this idea of moving through your own integrative path, I think that's so, so beautifully potent in that we are our own best advocate. We, we alone are walking this path. So thank you to all of our listeners for lending us your ears. We're also here to remind you to continue to walk the true and integrative path, even when your foot wobbles.